0: Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. The top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Very excited to cover some content today that I was planning on teaching at our mastermind summit. And like most things, COVID, you couldn't bring 3,000 people together in a ballroom or in a convention center. And I was going to do a little breakout session for a few hundred young folks, and I was going to cover the five C's of young achievers. Well, with the magic of podcasting and the world we live in today, now I get a chance to present the content I was going to present. And this is for anyone out there listening to the podcast and maybe some of your friends or family or nieces or nephews. This podcast is all about what's possible for young people today. You know, we live in a world that has become increasingly negative. You know, the world was always a negative place. It just, when people were negative, when I was growing up as a kid, they scratched something on the wall of a bathroom in a high school. Today, they can scratch something out on YouTube or on Twitter or on TikTok And in all the different social media platforms we have, they can comment on something that's really positive and they can throw a real negative comment in on it. We have the cancel culture and we have what's going on in the world and we have viruses and we have political upheaval and we have racial upheaval. And a lot of people are just beat up and beat down. A lot of folks are, young people especially, are like, what is the future? What is the hope? And there is a lot of hope, and there's a lot of things to be hopeful for. And like I always do, when I'm trying to give people perspective, I reach back a little bit to history, and I try to give perspective, because we all fall into the trap that this is the worst, or this is the most, or this is the hardest, or this is the most difficult things have ever been. And by the way, this ain't close. This ain't close. We're dealing with a virus that has killed hundreds of thousands. A hundred years ago, we dealt with a virus called the Spanish flu, That killed 50 million. We're not dealing with world wars. We don't have atomic bombs being dropped. So what happens is we lose perspective. And people get to feel like this is the worst it's ever been. And it becomes hopeless. And it's just that the dynamic of the world we live in today means that the information that is almost oppressive, and it's almost oppressively negative, that you really actually have to be conscious to check out of it, to turn it off and to tune into the positive. And I hope you're tuning into this today because this is a word of hope and encouragement for our younger citizens. And I hope this will encourage them. I, I'm going to share some examples. In fact, as I start off today, just I, I personally believe that the future is very bright. I believe there will be new innovations and technologies and creativity that the world's never seen coming out in the next five to 10 years. I believe work-life balance is going to change. I see so much hope in the future you know as we talk about the millennial group and uh, 80 85 million people in 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 the u.s alone so much maligned by an older generation because they're so different and focused so different whether it be the millennials whether it be gen z or the next group to come down the pike there is great hope for the future i have six young kids that are from younger millennials down to gen z I believe there's great hope for them. I believe there's a great life out there to be had. I think they can make a great difference with their lives. I believe they're going to be living in a world, in a country, and in a culture where many great things can happen. And this has been the case for hundreds and thousands of years, that young people can achieve great things, especially when they cast off not only the limiting beliefs of their elders, but actually the limiting beliefs they place on themselves. And the truth of the matter is, for generations, young people have been able to do extraordinary things. And that's why we're going to cover the five C's for young achievers. I'll give you a few examples. Here's Alexander the Great, going back a few millennia here. He was conquering countries as the leader of an army at 18 years of age. Augustus Caesar, he became a Roman senator at the age of 20. Joan of Arc, she turned an entire war around at the age of 17. In the 17th century... Blaise Pascal developed the calculator at the age of 19. Mozart wrote his first symphony at age 8. You know, I'm 53, and the best I can do is I can play heart and soul and chopsticks. So, you know, young people can do some great things. In 1773, Phyllis Wheatley published her first book of poems at age 20. Now, as a born slave who eventually became emancipated, her book of poems became so widely read and so influential it actually upended the whole conversation on slavery. And it actually was one of the ingredients that led to Wilberforce championing his whole pursuit of the emancipation of slaves. So she was 20 years of age when she wrote that book. Mary Shelley was 20 when she wrote Frankenstein. Lawrence Bragg, he won the Nobel Prize as a physicist at age 25. Those brainy Austrians always come through. Bob Woodward, and Carl Bernstein exposed the Watergate scandal. If you ever saw the movie All the President's Men, they were 29 and 28 years old, respectively. Nadia Comaneci, she was 14 years of age when she set the world on fire at the Olympic Games and won the gymnastics gold medal. And now, moving into today's world, you go, Brian, how's that work? Well, Mark Zuckerberg, he didn't graduate from Harvard. He dropped out, but he founded Facebook when he was 20 years old. He's doing okay. He's worth 100 billion today. Evan Spiegel, when he was in college at Stanford as a 21-year-old, he started Snapchat. Four years later, he was the youngest billionaire in the world. And it doesn't matter about the money part of it. It just gives you an example. Another young dropout, Bill Gates, dropped out of Harvard in 1975, and he started this little thing called Microsoft. And he's doing okay too. He's a neighbor of mine. He's worth 100000000000 billion. I'm just about $100 billion short of that. So the bottom line is, young people can do extraordinary things. And I'll talk to you about my own story. I'm no Blaise Pascal or Zuckerberg or even Alexander the Great. But when I came to America, I had just turned 19 and got into a serious motorcycle accident where my life was turned upside down. I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I chose at that time to get into the real estate business. And at the time, people told me, Brian, you're too young. Who's going to buy a house from you? Brian, you don't know anybody. You have to have a house before you can sell a house. And you need money to sell real estate and all those kinds of things. And that's where I started my career. I was a millionaire by the time I was 25. And by the time I was 28, I'd started Buffini Company, which has become the largest business and coaching training company in North America. So I'm going to say this for myself. I didn't buy into what other people said I could and couldn't do. And I didn't buy into it myself. What I did do is tapped into what many of these young achievers did was I tapped into the five C's for young achievers. So here they are. The first is conformity. The second is curiosity. The third is courtesy. The fourth is courage. And the fifth C is character. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When I share all this information, all these people who changed the world at young ages, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about what you have or haven't done. I just want you to know what's possible. So here we go. The first dynamic here of the five C's is conformity. Conformity, by definition, is behavior in accordance with socially accepted conventions or standards. Kind of do what you're told, okay? And so the dynamic of that shows up as this. Here's the three points for you. Don't be average. Lean into your story. And don't conform to this world, Okay. Average. Uh, Average is mediocre at best. Now, here's the dynamic. In school, you can pass and get a, a nice grade in high school with B's and C's. When my son went to SMU, he went there to play football and do college as well. And he used to tell me, dad, C's get degrees. And now he did better than that. He was a better student than that. But the truth of the matter is that if he got C's, he'd get a degree. And at the end of the day, I've employed... Over 4,000 people in my career, I have never on any interview or never on any interaction with an employee asked them what their GPA is. Now, I know some parents are kind of shouting at their radio right now or their tablet or phone going, hang on a second, Buffini, because you're spending hours and hours challenging your kids to get better grades. And that's okay. I ask my kids all the time how they're doing in school. But the truth of the matter is you can be average in school and still get a degree. In many ways, it's one of the other ways that college does a very poor job of preparing people for actual life. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're average in what you do going forward, you're going to struggle. For example, obviously, I train a lot of people in the real estate business. Well, the average sales agent in the real estate business makes $31,000 before expenses. That's average. That's the average realtor. The average realtor in America is in dire straits financially. So you see, it works in college. There's a lot of things that work in college that don't work in the real world. And I am more and more convinced all the time. I have four kids in college right now. I'm paying a couple hundred grand a year for my kids to go to college. And I'm looking at what they're listening to and what they're reading and what they're learning. And I feel more and more convinced of how poorly college prepares young people for success. Some of you are going to get more out of this podcast than you will out of four years of college. I say that not to self-aggrandize. I say that because it frustrates me with how the market actually works. But because it's a conformity to what everybody does, I'm going to go to school. The great coach Tony Dungy says, Success is uncommon, and not to be enjoyed by the common man. I'm looking for uncommon people because we want to be successful, not average. Napoleon Hill said, The ladder of success is never crowded at the top. You won't find the average at the top. Mark Twain says, When you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Rita Mae Brown said, the reward for conformity is that everyone likes you but yourself. Young people, you've been born with gifts and abilities. Blessed by God, your job is to find out what those abilities are. Your job is to find out what format they work in. You know, one of the greatest gifts is when you find out what you're not good at. Not as a sign of insecurity or low self-esteem. It's the greatest thing in the world to find out what you don't do. Here's the dynamic. I own a company called Buffini Company, and I have for 25 years. It's a very powerful, influential organization. I don't run the company. My brother is the CEO of the company, and here's the deal. He's better at that than I am. I know what I'm good at, and I focus on what I'm good at. And that's the key. And as a young person, it's hard to know what you're good at yet. And you're going to have to do some things that are trial and error. You find out what subjects you like in school and what subjects you don't like. You find out the true dynamics of what work you like and what work you don't like. And sometimes what you don't like is more helpful and it gives you more illustration for your future than even what you do. So you want to absolutely make sure that you know what you like and then lean into that. So don't be average. That's the key. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. So know who you are and know what you are. That's your number one job. And that's why the one blessing I can say of college is that a lot of times it can, if you don't get into too much trouble, it can give you a chance to find out a little bit more of who you are. And that's a powerful thing. The next dynamic here is knowing your own story. As you know your own story, you got to examine what have you done in your past? You know, what have you done in your past? What have you done well? When have you had these tuning fork moments where you've done something that was like, ooh, that just felt great. You did some activity, you had some kind of interaction. Maybe it was a conversation. Maybe it was some kind of work. Maybe it was some kind of hobby. And it doesn't mean that you attach yourself to that particular outcome. But it was what about that did I like? Why did I like that? I was fortunate enough at a very young age to find something I liked, which was sales. So I worked as a bus boy when I was a kid at Milltown Golf Club. Earned my money, saved my pennies, and went on a school trip to Italy. While well, I go to Italy and I'm there in the markets in Rome where all the tourists are and they're selling bags and hats and jackets and all kinds of paraphernalia. And I found this suede jacket that just lit me up. Oh, loved it. Wanted to get this leather jacket. Smelt great. Looked great. So I went up there. And I asked the guy, Quanto Questa? What's this going to cost? And he gives me a number and I just couldn't afford it. But well, I went back the next day when we were there in Rome again So I talked to another one of the vendors there who has a stall selling different stuff. And I said, hey, I want to buy that jacket over there. but it's too much money. How do I go about this? Well, we get into a conversation. He finds out my last name was Buffini. He starts coaching me up. And he basically told me, hey, when someone asks you the price, offer them a quarter. And then fight like the dickens and, you know, insult them and tell them they're stealing from you. So sure enough, I walk over to the guy with the suede jacket. I ask him how much it is. Again, he gives me a number. I offer him a quarter. He's oh, he's indignant he's raising his voice and I'm indignant telling him he's stealing from a young high school kid and we're backing and forward and at the same time there's a smile in both our voices right and we're having a good time so finally we after about a half hour settle on a price it was a third of what he was asking and the next day teacher comes to me name is Eddie Ahern the toughest teacher in the school and he says to me Brian my wife wants these leather bags these travel bags can you help negotiate them for me. So I went back to the same trader, did the same thing, and now we're kind of being buddies. I'm slapping him on the head, he's punching me in the arm. And I end up getting Eddie Ahern his bags for about thirty five percent of what they were asking. And I found out early on, man, I really liked the selling. I really liked the negotiating. So when I came to the States as a nineteen year old when I first came out here on a holiday, I was selling t shirts off a same vendor cart down at Pacific Beach in San Diego. And so I loved that. And so I loved thinking about it and being a little entrepreneur and finding out the kids who came from Arizona in the evening time, they were cold. So I'd stack sweatshirts and they'd come out of a club or a bar at 11 o'clock at night and the Arizona kids were freezing because it was 60 degrees and they were used to 90 to 100 degrees. So I sold a ton of sweatshirts and here I am, 19, selling off a cart. So that's where you figure out what you like. You figure out that tuning fork goes off. And then you can also figure out what you don't like. You can do a job and maybe you're an outdoor person, you do an indoor job, you're an indoor person doing an outdoor job, you figure that kind of stuff out. And so that's where you want to do it. So you learn your own story. So learn from what you like and what you don't like. And then the last piece in this is, in regards to conformity, is a great verse in the Bible that says, don't conform. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not calling you to rebellion. Okay, oh, everybody's doing this, I'm just doing the opposite. No, it's by renewing your mind, by renewing your mind. If you're listening to this podcast, you're renewing your mind. If you're reading a book, you're renewing your mind. If you're taking a training program, you're renewing your mind. Renew your mind. Put the good stuff in. Put the good stuff in. And the key is to renew your mind, not replace your mind. You want to renew your mind with things that are already on your mind and in your heart since you were a young, young person. That you find out who you are and what you are and what you should be doing. So don't be conforming to what someone thinks you should be doing. Oh no, this is what the neighbors think. This is what everyone in this school does. This is, and again, there's an awful lot of keeping up with the Joneses. And again, I am the biggest proponent of listening to your parents. And I'm always respectful when I'm talking to young people. But at the same time, you've got to make sure that your parents are not trying to have you keep up with their version of the Joneses too. So listen to that little voice inside. What have you done since you were a kid? And go back to that. The second thing is to develop a sense of curiosity. Now, this is where I'll sound a little like grumpy grandpa. Because one of the things I notice now amongst younger people is a lack of curiosity. And one of the reasons for it is you guys have grown up with having access to information. So when I'm with my kids and I'll say, hey, Google that or research that, they go, oh, dad, that's just something you guys do. My kids don't have that burning curiosity a lot of times because they have access to the information. Sometimes we're traveling somewhere. And instead of, oh, my gosh, look at that building. Look at this environment. Look at this. No, They got their nose in the phones or they're reading Instagram we're in London or we're in Ireland or we're wherever say hey get your nose out of the phones develop a sense of curiosity it's a strong desire to know or learn something they said curiosity kills the cat let me tell you curiosity makes the kid and it's fantastic and here's what it does ignorance is not bliss ignorance is not bliss so you want to develop curiosity to challenge any sense of ignorance In that regard, okay. I'm going to share with you a little bit of how curiosity led me into the career I'm in now. It can help you find your career. And lastly, I'm going to tell you a principle of Michelangelo called Ancaro Imparo, which is the whole dynamic of learning, which is curiosity formalized into a proactive step. So let's just talk about it. You know, ignorance is not bliss. Just because you don't know what you don't know doesn't mean it can't hurt you. If you become ignorant about money, you'll be in trouble. If you become ignorant about your health, you'll be in trouble. If you become ignorant about relationships, it'll get you in trouble. If you become ignorant about how the world works, you know, if you just listen to one news source, if you just subscribe to one philosophical or ideological sense of communication, you're going to be extremely ignorant on how the world actually works and how big the world is. And you don't want... Ignorance is not bliss, okay? Ignorance is frustration. Unleash your curiosity. I just feel, as a person, we're at our best when we're growing, and it's just great to be curious. It releases a sense of wonder, a sense of awe. You know, I have a couple of grandkids, and I have a little two and a half year old, and I'll sit down with him, and he on the Disney Network. There's this one David Attenborough show on elephants, so we got the big movie theater screen. I'll sit down with my little grandson. And we're watching this migration of these elephants. I'll tell you this. At one stage, he got up and left the room. And Beverly goes, hey, are you watching, Michael? And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. I was just so enraptured with this show. And it was so illuminating. And it took me to a part of the world I'd never seen. And oh, my gosh, I've been on safari, but I missed this. And I didn't see that. And there's this wonder. And the world is so big. And it's so rich. And it's so amazing. There's just so much. And so unleash your curiosity. It's just a fantastic thing. Maya Angelou said, we're only as blind as we want to be. Thomas Jefferson said, if ignorance was bliss, why aren't people more happy, right? And so ignorance is not bliss, according to my mentor, Jim Rohn. Ignorance is poverty, it's devastation, it's tragedy, it's illness. Everything comes from ignorance. What I'm going to say to you is unleash your curiosity. When you embrace consciously to be curious, it makes every day a wonder. It makes every day a learning opportunity. And you never grow old. You never grow old when you stay curious. How did I get into the business I'm in now? Well, I started asking lots of questions. I was doing a bit of painting and I was doing some odd jobs around. I met some real estate people and I was curious about it. I asked them questions. I asked them questions. One of them said, Why don't you meet my broker? I asked the broker a bunch of questions. She said, We do some training. I was curious. I was curious. That's how I got into real estate. So people always ask me, How'd you go from real estate to what you're doing now? Well, First, I became successful at what I was doing. And then I became curious. People asked me, we're holding an event. You're one of the most successful realtors. Can you tell us what you do? I was a young person. Okay. I'm 25 years old and I'm already six years into my real estate career selling a hundred homes a year. People were selling six homes a year. Can you tell us how you do it? So I sit on these panels or they'd ask me to speak at this different company's event. And I didn't think I was very good at it. So I started Looking up online, I started going to the Tierra Santa library where there were books on speaking, and I went to see other presenters, and I saw what they did and how they did it. I use a workbook for the last 25 years. Why? Because I went to a seminar where I saw one of the best sales trainers of all time, Tommy Hopkins, and he had a little workbook that you filled in the blanks as you went along. I thought, that's a great way to learn. Every time I've spoken in the last 25 years, I've had my team develop a workbook so people could follow along. Why? Because I learned that by being curious. That curiosity led to this unexpected career. I never thought I'd leave the real estate business, but didn't realize that I could combine both things. And today, I love what I do. And why? Because I get to unleash that curiosity still. The other dynamic I want to share with you is this Ancaro in Paro, which is you're always learning. I actually have right behind me, uh, sitting in this podcast studio, a brass plate from Michelangelo. He said this at the end of his life. I am still learning. And ancora imparo. I'm still learning. And by the way, talk about young people. On that trip to Italy, as a 15-year-old, I went into St. Paul's Cathedral and I saw a statue called the Pieta, which Michelangelo carved when he was 26 years of age. Now, I had no interest in art, but when I saw that, and it was absolutely awe-inspiring. He was 26 when he sculpted that. You know, he spent the rest of his life trying to improve it. He actually did a Pieta in his 70s. But he never came close to what he got done when he was a younger person. You know, this is true of many, many things. Many, many things, okay? You know, I was 28 when I started Buffini Company. I look back on it now and I go, how did that happen? So I just want you to know, unleash that curiosity. It'll show up in every aspect of what you do and ultimately allowed you to stay young a long time. Very, very powerful indeed. The next C is courtesy. Now, again, I'm not going to be grumpy old man. I'm going to be marketing guru here for you for a second. And let me say, if you really want to stand out from your competition, if you want to show out in the modern world we live in today, be a courteous person. Be a respectful person. Oh, man, you just stand out. You know, my kids are into this K-pop band called BTS. And they've just gone billboard number one with a song called Dynamite. They have these fantastic dance routines and so on and so forth. But it's part of the Korean culture where they, they walk into interviews and they bow and they show respect and they're super respectful to their fans and super respectful. And it is such a breath of fresh air. They're taking the world by storm right now. They've got great music. They got great dance. But there's these awesome young people with great courtesy and great respect and they're being embraced. And what's wild is their fans are called ARMY they have 12-year-olds up to 70-year-olds following them. Let me say this. In today's world, being respectful, being a person who's courteous, it stands out because common courtesy is no longer common. Fred Astaire, a great dancer, said in the 1960s, the hardest job kids face today is learning good manners without seeing any. Well, that was 60 years ago. Please. Let me share this with you. This is the hardest thing to learn because the culture is becoming less civil. The culture is becoming less courteous. And I will challenge and call out your parents and say that they need to demonstrate this more than anything. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Please and thank you are polite. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. You are so welcome is polite. I actually recorded an episode, episode 141, which says, Manners maketh money where I showed how good manners turn into big profits. But it really will set you apart. Let me give you an example. My son, Alex, recently just got a job. He decided he wanted to go and work. He's been doing his college thing for the past three, four years. And when COVID struck, he decided, I'm going to do my college online. I only have, you know, 20 or whatever else units left. And I'm going to go get a job. And he wanted to get his own job in his own way. He wanted to stand up on his own two legs. He didn't want to use dad's name or dad's relationships. So he went in and interviewed and so on and so forth. Well, there were 70 people who applied for this job. Some extremely qualified for the job, and this is his first job ever. But the one thing he did was he learned from his dad that right after the interview, he wrote a personal handwritten note to the person who interviewed him. He got a call back the next day. He said, you were the most polite young man we saw all day. And then when you followed up with that personal note, I just knew you were something special. Now, here's the thing. He was polite, and he wrote a personal note. Now, to me, that's pretty basic stuff. He got a job out of 70 people. He's working today. People are singing the blues saying there's no work. He got the job because he stood out. I've been telling young people this for years. We had an intern who came to work at Buffini Company. We typically have 10 to 20 interns work at our company during the summer every year. So we had this young lady, and she went on seven different job interviews and wrote seven personal notes afterwards to thank the interviewer. She got seven job offers. And yet, many of her buddies saying, Man, I can't get a call back. I can't get this. Let me say this. I believe it's easier to be successful today than at any time I've seen in the last 50 years. And one of the ways it's easier to be successful, if you will be consciously courteous, please and thank you. The most basic thing in the world. You know what the opposite of courtesy is? Entitlement. Entitlement. I don't acknowledge good service. I don't acknowledge somebody doing something for me. There's a neat quote that says, people usually don't see the true value of courtesy until they receive it. So here's a little tip. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? Why don't you, when you go to a restaurant, when the hostess seats you, say thank you, look her in the eye or look him in the eye and say, thank you very much. When their waiter or waitress comes to see you, thank you so much. Can I have some cheese and crackers? Please, just try it. Just try it for a day. Watch what happens. Watch how much nicer everybody is to you. Now, not everybody gets that. But when you give it out in slices, man, does it come back in lows. I would say this. This is the secret ingredient. I would take somebody right now with less talent and higher courtesy than someone with high talent, low courtesy. All day, as a colleague, as a co-worker, as an employer, I would take someone with less talent who's really courteous and respectful than someone who's super qualified and super talented. William Arthur Ward said, Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Many of you feel the gratitude, but then don't express it. It's like buying a gift and not giving it to somebody. And again, oh man, this sounds old world. Don't I have something more high tech, some search engine I can give you? I just gave you a search engine for success. It's called courtesy. It's the golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. I want to say this. There was a book years ago called The Platinum Rule, which is treat people even better than you want to be treated. You watch what happens. Now, by the way, not everybody responds. I've been very polite and courteous to people who are total jackasses, but people self-eliminate. People self-eliminate all the time. Give it out in slices, it comes back in loaves, okay? Practice that golden rule. Teddy Roosevelt, my favorite president, said, Courtesy is as much a mark of a gentleman as courage. And courage was a big deal to him. Lewis Carroll said, courtesy is a small act, but it packs a mighty wallop. Phenomenal stuff. The next C is courage. And this is the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, and pain. And I would say this, young folks, you're capable of so much more than you think. You can dig a lot deeper than you think. And I'm the same way. I've certainly tried to protect my kids to not have them exposed to as much negativity as possible. But the truth of the matter is the adversity we face in our lives is the making of us. And so when you face adversity, you need to understand it's the making of you. It's not something to be avoided. It doesn't mean you've made a wrong turn. It doesn't even mean you're doing the wrong thing. When you're facing adversity, it's a test. It's a test. And you can dig in and dig in hard. I always think of the Wizard of Oz, and I think of the Cowardly Lion. He always said about himself, his own self-image was one of a lack of courage. He always said, I'm a scaredy cat, and so on and so forth. But when something was important enough for him to dig in and fight, when it was somebody he really cared about that was at risk, he dug in and did the dirty work. He did what had to be done. And he shocked himself that he actually had courage. And when the Wizard finally gave him a medal, you know, the, the old phrase and the old song, Oz didn't give the tin man what he didn't already have. The fact is the cowardly line had it inside him all along. Now, you may not think of yourself as a cowardly line, but you may also not think of yourself as a courageous person. The fact is it's inside you. Having the courage to keep going. Having the courage when you, when you gave up to, to start again. To have the courage when you messed up to restart And the fact is, the courage to keep going, the courage to keep living, the courage to keep hoping, the courage to keep believing in yourself, okay, it's just powerful. John Wooden, the great coach who I had a chance to meet and do a 10-city speaking tour with, said the greatest failure of all is failure to act when action is needed, because that's really what it's all about. Everybody feels fear. Everybody feels frightened. Everybody feels those emotions, but it's ultimately... Pushing through that, that's really what makes it, okay? That's what makes you courageous. Eleanor Roosevelt said, do the thing you fear the most and the death of fear is assured. The fact of the matter is the first thing you got to do when you feel fear is to act. You got to take action. You got to continue to act. Even though you're fearful, do it anyway. Courage is nothing more than taking one step more than you think you can take, okay? You have to do that. And so you take action. Because when you take action in the midst of fear, the greatest thing you can possibly have as a young person is confidence. Confidence is the most attractive quality. True confidence. True self-assurance. Not false bravado. Not arrogance and egos. Not boasting. Not, not that. I'm talking about a true, quiet confidence. That comes from, I felt this fear. I felt these emotions. I didn't give in to these emotions. And I took action in the midst of it. General George Patton, who helped America win World War II, said, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the action taken in the midst of fear. That's what we need to be about. We need to take action in the midst of the fear. And if you'll do that, and you might be facing some difficult choices right now, you might be facing some difficult emotions right now, take action. Do the things you know you need to do to improve your life, to become the best version of yourself. And what comes out of it is confidence. Oh, man. And there's just nothing like it. The author of The Wizard of Oz, Frank Baum, said, All you need is confidence in yourself. There is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. The true courage is facing danger when you are afraid. And that kind of courage you have in plenty. Very, very powerful. So what do we want to do there? When we feel like the cowardly lion, we take action. And when we take action, we come out of it confident. And confidence is the most attractive quality in the world. It's attractive to finding a partner. It's attractive to an employer. It's attractive to a client. Confidence, true confidence, is a powerful thing. The fifth and last C here is character. Character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. It's a beautiful thing. And by the way, in episode 200, I covered a little book called As a Man Thinketh. And this is for you as a man or a woman developing your character, growing your character. It's very powerful. And being a character, being a character like me, being yourself, there's just nothing more attractive than someone who's just themselves, comfortable in their own skin. I have a wonderful affirmation for you, which is just being myself is good enough to be great. And it's so true. It's so true. Why are we not ourselves? Because we're constantly conforming. Why? Because anything we do that's a little unique or different, we get criticized for it. We get hammered for it. You know, there's a golfer right now, Bryson DeChambeau. He went to school down there in SMU. He's just a different cat. He thinks differently. He's a unique dude, right? So people call him weird. He tries this. He tries that. The golfing world's like, oh, you can't do that. He put on 30 pounds of muscle and lifted weights. He's trying to hit the ball as far as he can. Oh, you can't do that. Well, when he won the US Open, after all this criticism for a year and a half, now people go, oh, everybody's going to be doing this. Now conform to that. The truth of the matter is we're all a little different and that's what makes it work. And it's ultimately trying to be somebody else, it just hammers you down, so you end up conforming. Remember, you're wonderfully made, you're designed this way, and you're designed to be you, and you can be the best you you can be. And so you want to work on your character, both in your integrity, in your, your work ethic, all of those character qualities but you also want to work on being the character that you're made and becoming very comfortable in your own skin. The great quote from an older man I met years ago, and he said, you know, when I was young, I was just so worried about what everybody thought about me. And then he says, I got to be middle-aged, and I said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. He goes, now that I'm an old man, I realized nobody was thinking about me at all the whole time. And I see that all the time with younger people. You're so concerned about what people are thinking about you. What do I look like? And, and again, because young people can be hurtful and crass and crude, and especially on social media today, and so virulent in their criticism. My encouragement to you is this. That too will pass. They're really not that concerned about you. You need to be your own person. You need to be comfortable in your own skin. I believe God made you the way you're made, with the gifts and the abilities and the thought life, everything that's in you. And if you will develop your character, in regards to those things that will hold up during tough times, and then also learn to be your own character, that's very, very powerful. We want to grow personally, but we want to grow on that foundation of character. You know, old school character, showing up on time, it's powerful. You want to stand out amongst your competition, show up on time. You want to stand out for the future character, character doesn't make excuses, character takes responsibilities. It's character. Your word is your bond. You follow up. You follow through. You do those things. And then at the same time, you really become who you are. And it's part and parcel. And sometimes the road is difficult. Helen Keller wrote, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition-inspired, and success-achieved. It sometimes happens. Like I said, the adversity will be the making of you, not the destroying of you. All right? You don't put yourself in situations where the worst can possibly happen. But at the same time, you need to stretch. You need to grow. Failure is, not, is only feedback. You tried something. It didn't work out. That's fine. That's not for me. Or how I went about. That's not for me. Bruce Lee said, knowledge will give you power, but character will bring you respect. And you get that self-respect that also feeds that confidence. And then you go from there. You can do this. You can push through. Right now, we have trying, challenging times. Don't give up. Dig in develop your character and be a character. That's what you want to do. You want habits that build your character. What are things you can do? For example, can you get up a little bit earlier? For example, I talk about the first 15 and the last 15. Instead of, hey, I'm watching you know, social media when I get out first thing in the morning. Maybe I recharge my phone in a different room. The first 15 minutes of the day, I, I exercise or I read or I do something to build myself up. How about that? How about how you finish the day? How do you finish your day? Little habit like that. Uh, can you up your exercise? Maybe can you eliminate one bad habit and pick a month? say, Okay, I drink too much coffee. I'm going to drink half of that this month. Things like that. Small little habits can be big changes. Famous Herculitis said, Good character is not formed in a week or month. It's created little by little, day by day. Protracted and patient effort is needed to develop good character. No question. What will happen? when you take these habits and you take these small steps is you will be a person not only of great character, but you'll actually be a person of great ambition and motivation. You won't have to get dragged out of bed. You know, my daughter's 26. She's a young person. She wants to go to the Olympics. It's her goal. It's her goal. Uh, She's riding these big old horses. It wasn't my goal. I'm actually allergic to them. I get hay fever when I'm around the horses. But you know what? It's her goal. And because of that, I never have to call her to get out of bed in the morning. Since she was 12 years of age, for 14 years, she gets out of bed and she's gone at 6 o'clock every morning to the horses. Because when you have these habits and you have this ambition and you have this drive, it pulls you. And maybe you don't have that. Not all my kids are in the same boat. Maybe you haven't found that thing yet or those things yet. But ultimately, when you have these habits and these small steps, it gives you motivation. My great mentor, Jim Rohn, said motivation is what gets you started and then habit is what keeps you going. So you can put them together. James Clear said habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They're a lifestyle to be lived. Okay? Powerful stuff. And so my encouragement to all of you is as a young person, you can achieve much. As a young person, you have to understand, you know, life is not a bowl of cherries. And those difficult things and those setbacks that you experience They are and can be the making of you. So what do we want to do? We make sure we don't conform. We make sure we kind of unleash our curiosity. Travel, explore, meet new people, have new experiences, learn, grow, just engage in the wonder of life. Courtesy. Courtesy will set you apart from your peers like none other. Like none other. Please and thank you. Little notes of appreciation seeking people out to thank, give good energy to. Oh my goodness, you will be a rock star. Courage. Courage, dig down. Dig down, you'll find you have a lot more in the tank than you thought. And that courage leads to confidence. And then lastly, continue to develop your character and be the character that you are. What I can say is I believe the future is bright. I believe the future will be brighter than the past. I believe in the future. That's why I invest in stocks. That's why I'm excited for my grandchildren. I believe there's a great world and a great life Ahead. I believe there's lots of changes. But as long as you change inside, you can meet those challenges and meet those changes and be a confident, successful person. Well, I hope this is helpful for you. I know I went on a little long today, but hey, I'm kind of an old geezer, but I started as a young geezer. And I started these five C's myself. And I I use these things myself. At a very young age, I was a millionaire. And I became an influencer. And I became a person of both character with character. And now I want to pass these on to you. I look forward to hearing your success story. I would look forward to hearing from you. Let me know how this podcast has helped you. Let me know of your success in the future. Who knows? Maybe one day in the future, I'll be tuning into your podcast. Maybe I'll be sitting in your seminar. 20 years from now, I'll sit in the front seat. And all I ask, just give me a little bank shot. See that old guy there? I listened to him a few years ago and I put these five C's to work. And now he's sitting in the front row taking notes from me. And I will. You know why? Because even as an old geezer, I'm still going to be not conforming. I'm still going to be curious. I'm going to be respectful. And I'll say thank you for inviting me to your seminar. I'll have the courage to continue to grow. And I'm going to continue to develop my character. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I wish you the very best in your future life. And I hope these five C's for young achievers have been helpful for you today. Until next time, we'll see you. God bless. As always, Brian, fantastic content. Such great practical stuff we can put into use. Thanks for all you covered today and to you listeners, thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time. Here's Thérèse Buffini to send us home with an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.